ants sometimes, so I want to make sure I got this turned on and everything. So I don't want to take it for granted. I know I, I think I've said this pretty much every time I've ever preached, uh, especially here, but I don't want to take it for granted every opportunity the Lord has given me to preach. Uh, thinking about you know, all the teens as they went to youth conference this past week. Just know how the Lord used meetings like that in my life, even thinking back to when I was 12 years old and was able to go to camp, and the Lord called me to preach. So, it's a good investment. I know pastor preached on that after they came back, but it really is. The Lord can do a, use those times as a to work in their lives. So, thank you for letting me preach and for listening and letting me practice on you. I know I'm not the greatest. I know I'd rather be listening to Pastor Breach as well. <laughs> but thank you. Um, if you turn in your Bibles to Amos chapter 3, if it sounds a little familiar, it was in our Bible reading this past week. If you've been going through the Bible reading calendar that we pass out, uh, Amos, we went through the whole book in three days. And uh, as we were going through it, the Lord just took one verse once again. That's, and kind of got my attention uh, with something really has broken my heart a little bit with it and hope I can get the idea across of, of what it's saying here and and really what it means for us. Um, if you read along with me, Amos chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when he hath no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he have taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Can one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants and the prophets. The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? And before we get into the message, I'd just like to open it in a word of prayer. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and just what it's done for me already. I pray you take this time and use me mightily. Help me to get what you've put on my heart, Lord, across here and that you would allow your word to do a work on the hearts and lives of each individual here. Lord, help me not get in the way, but that you would use me and that you would bless this time, just that your will would be done. In your name that we pray, amen. Have you ever had a disagreement with someone maybe you care about, a friend, a family member, and you know, you just know you're right? No, no matter what happens, you're like, I know without a doubt that I'm right. And you're waiting, just waiting for the moment for them to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, you were right, can you forgive me? You, you just know. 
And the only problem is, they're over there sitting there, knowing that they're right, just waiting for you to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And those disagreements last forever. Those are the types of disagreements that start feuds within the family. The when you, you are over here saying, I know I'm right. You're wrong. You need to apologize. And the other person over here is saying, no, you're wrong. And you need to apologize. And it goes on and on and on. Those aren't fun. Those are never fun. But how much worse would it be for an individual to say, I'm right, God, you're wrong. That's crazy. I mean, we're, we're here in church because we, we, we want to say, you know, we're, we don't want to do that. We're here hearing the preaching of God's word because we want to say, God, I want to know what you want to say, what you have to say. I want to listen because I know I'm wrong. I mean, that's what we're all admitting here. Nobody came tonight saying, well, I want to know what I can tell the preacher on how he's wrong. Or I'm going to church so I can tell God how he's wrong. That's not why we're here. But oftentimes, people can live, they may not say it with their mouth, but they live in a way of saying, no, I'm, I'm okay, God's wrong. That's partially what Amos was saying and why God used Amos to prophesy or go speak to the children of Israel or the nation of Israel at this time. Well, it seems like we've been going through a, a small series, the preacher boys, you know, all of us, we've been talking about kings and the time of the kings. And, and we, so we've heard a little bit of the history, but when Rehoboam, Solomon's son, it, didn't listen to the good counsel. The kingdom was divided, the kingdom of Israel. And it became the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And in Judah, there was a handful here and there of good kings. Kings that set their heart to serve God and set their heart to love God and obey God and even instruct the people on how to do so. And there were others who didn't. During this time, during the time that Amos appears, we have another king that did like Asa. He was a great king. And we heard about last week from, from uh, Brother Stephen. Asa was a great king, but then at the end, he just he messed up. Well, Uzziah was the same way. He was a great king who set his heart to love the Lord and serve God. And then at the end, it said he was lifted up. And he went into the temple of God and... and he, he failed. He messed up. And he was punished for his sin. And during this time, so you have Uzziah over here in the southern kingdom in, in Judah. And then in the northern kingdom, you have Jeroboam. Now, that's not the first Jeroboam, but the second one. Jeroboam, the son of Joash. And he did, as I said about many of the kings in the northern kingdom, after the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, so the first guy, the first king of the northern tribes, the first king of the northern tribes who had set up a way of worship, a way of idolatry for the people so that they wouldn't go back to Jerusalem. We heard about that last week. Stephen explained that. 
that he had set up idolatry so that the people wouldn't go back. And this, the king in Israel at this time followed after that way. Meaning the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, was following after idolatry. They were given to serving other gods. And if you know anything about the Bible, God doesn't like that. I mean, we have the Ten Commandments that were given to the children of Israel in the wilderness before they even got to the land where God had told them, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He told them, Thou shalt love me and serve me. Obey him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. That, that God was the only God. And he, God told them that when they got to that land, if they disobeyed Him, there would be consequences. There, there would be fruit of their labors. That he, he could not let them live in idolatry forever. And so, when they did, God sent His prophets. I mean, this, this, this history, I know it's nothing new to you. If you've been in church any while, it's nothing new. But... It, he sent his prophets and they, they would proclaim his word and many who were sent to the nation of Israel were not treated very well. And Amos most likely was no different. Amos was a farmer. That's why I like Amos a little bit. I, feel I can relate a little bit. I wasn't a farmer, but I grew up five acres, cows and chickens. So being in New York, I feel like a farmer out of, you know. But... Amos was a, a farmer, a, a, a herdsman, a fig picker, sent to Israel to prophesy, to declare God's word. And, and he began his message, and you read in chapter 1 and chapter 2, of declaring judgment. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions and for four, saying that, all right, your time is up. For, it's, it's not just here, it's, it's here. Your time is up. And he declared judgment on Syria, Damascus, on the Philippines, no, Philistines, sorry, oops, the Philistines, on Tyre and Sidon, on Edom, on Moab, on Ammon. And I can only imagine as the Israelites are listening to him declaring these judgments, they're saying, yeah, that's right. They don't serve you, God. They've messed up. You're right. They're done. Judgment is coming. Get them. Get them. Just excited because they're finally getting what they deserve. And then Amos continues and says, thus saith the Lord. For three transgressions and for four on Judah. Okay, hold on. Judah, those, those are our brethren down there. Oh, yeah, they've messed up. Oh, okay, I guess they deserve it. Okay, God, go, go ahead. But then he goes one step further. says, for three transgressions, thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four. And so the nation of Israel, I can only imagine the saying, wait, us? 
we, we're, we're not doing anything wrong. We're fine. I'm okay. And God declares His judgment on them to say, you are wholly given to idolatry. And I had given you my word to say, if you do that, there will come punishment, chastisement, correction. There, there are consequences for your actions. And I can only imagine Israel saying, no God, um, you got that wrong. We're okay. No, Amos, you must not be speaking for God. We're, we're fine. I, I know you said the judgment of God is coming. It even talked about in the beginning of Amos that the, the Lord shall roar out of Zion. Judgment is coming. And, and they, I can only imagine Israel saying, uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's, no. We're okay. We, I mean, we still sacrifice to the, to the Lord. I mean, it's not how they do in Judah, but we still sacrifice and we still burn incense. I mean, yeah, we've got these other idols, but we still serve God. We're fine. And because of that attitude, the Lord has to instruct them once again. And he uses in chapter 3, as we read, a bunch of rhetorical questions. Which rhetorical questions aren't given an answer because the answer is obvious. And, and we'll see them. And, but God instructs them to listen. Okay, listen. Hear the word that the Lord hath spoken against you. Just, just listen. God has said you've messed up. Just listen. God's given you His word. Hear the word of the, that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel. In verse 2, he says, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. God says, it's, it's my job. It, I, it's what I told you to, I would do. And we learned even today that God is truth. What he says is true. So if God said it's going to happen, and he's going to do it, he says, I, I'm going to do it. You've disobeyed. Listen up. And then he begins to ask them questions to show them that they are wrong and that there is judgment coming because if they don't change, that's, that's what they've asked for. That's, that's the way they're living. But the, the mindset they may have been having was, would be, but I'm fine. We, we serve God. We walk with God. We do what we're supposed to do. And God instructs them and shows them that's not true. He begins by asking him this, and this is the, the question that really got my attention this week and, and almost spearheads the rest of them. The first question that he asks is verse 3. It says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, this, this is a rhetorical question as well. Have you ever walked anywhere? I mean, we're, we're in New York City. I, you know, people do it all the time. You know, walk from point A to point B. Have you ever walked anywhere? Okay, have you ever walked anywhere with somebody else? Okay, you, you come together, maybe it's, it's family, friend, and you say, we're going to go from here, point A, to point B. Simple enough. And... The way you do that is you lift your feet and you walk and you go. Point A to point B. 
But what happens if there's many ways where, you know, we walked here to church this morning. There's a few different roads we could take. We could have come down 35th Street all the, you know, go down to 35th and take it all the way down or 37th and come down and then take. There's a few different roads we could have taken. And as we're walking along, if Rachel says, I'm going to go this way. And I said, "Huh, uh we're going to go this way. And both of us are stubborn enough to continue in the way we're thinking. Then what ends up happening? Well, we stop walking together. We're still walking, but we're not walking together. Why? Because we've disagreed on the steps we're going to take. Can two walk together except they be agreed? But what I find interesting is, is most of the time, at least in, in my experience, every time I've heard this verse quoted, it's talking about how, well, we can't actually fellowship with that church because they don't believe like we do. And we can't walk with them, which is true. Don't get me wrong. That, that is Bible. But the context of this verse is, Israel, you're saying you fellowship with me? Israel, you, the nation of Israel, you say you walk with God and you, you deserve the blessings of God? And God is saying, we're not in agreement you're not agreeing. Your lifestyle, your, the way you're living is not agreeing with the word that I've already given you. So we're not walking together. How, how can Israel say, the nation of Israel saying, we're walking with God when they're not actually doing what God has said? They're saying, I'm going this way and walking this way. It, it, it doesn't. Work. That's why God asked them, can two walk together except they be agreed? It's as if the nation of Israel says, yes, God, I know you've set this in your word that we should walk this way. We want to walk with you. We really do. But we just think it'd be better to go this way. God, God, we want your blessings and we want your your protection in our lives and we want everything that, that the fellowship with God can afford. And we know you've said you're going that way. But we think we should go this way instead. You know what? God has had laid out in His Word the way to walk for fellowship with Him. The way of blessings for the nation of Israel way before he said, if you want my blessings, this is the way you need to walk. Before they had even gotten to the land, before they had even arrived in the land of Canaan that would become their land, God had said, if you serve me, if you walk this way, I will bless you. I will be with you and I will be your God. But the nation of Israel had gotten to a point to say, you know, going down to Jerusalem for, for worship, to worship God, and to do it this way, that's too hard. That's too far. I mean, we're a divided kingdom now. We can't do that. We're going to serve God this way. But, but God, we're serving you. So, come on, God, we're, we're serving you. Come this way. But God had already laid out in His Word 
And because they had decided to disagree with God, they no longer were walking with Him. And God made that very clear. You're not doing what I had said. How are you saying that you're walking with me? I, I know of people who say, I read my Bible. I get up early in the morning, 3 o'clock, just so I can read for four hours and pray. And then when an opportunity comes around where they can work on Sunday night and make a little bit of extra money, work during the midweek service, they say, okay. I'm pretty sure God says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Or when the opportunity comes around and says, well, my boss says if, if I just lie just about these numbers just a little bit, but hey, it's okay. I, I read my Bible and I get up really early to do so. They say they're walking with God, but what they're doing doesn't agree with the word that God had already given them. So how can you walk with God except you be agreed? God is saying that their actions, they may be blessing Him with their mouth, but their actions were showing that their heart was not in agreement. They weren't walking with God, and they knew it. But they wanted, just like the Pharisees we heard about this morning, they wanted to say, well, no, we're right. We want to be right in our own way, our own alternate truth. We're right. So, God, you need to walk with us. And God goes on and asks them questions to say, I, basically, these questions that follow the rhetorical questions have said, I've told you there's judgment, so take heed. He tells them, will a lion roar when he hath in the forest when he hath no prey? He alluded to that even at the very beginning of the prophecy of this book. And he said, the lion hath roared, the Lord hath roared out of Zion. Let's see The Lord will roar from Zion and utter His voice from Jerusalem. He said, there is judgment coming. Now, will the lion roar if there's nothing to roar at? No. There's judgment coming because judgment is deserved. And He asked, will a young lion cry out of his den if he hath taken nothing? The young lion's not going to be excited if he's still got a hungry belly. That there... Punishment must come, must be fulfilled, because God will not lie. He said, if you do this, this must come, and it must. Can a bird fall into a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Can can a bird be ensnared where there's no trap? He said, God is telling them, you have fallen, There is judgment coming, and where you've fallen, it will take you. And he continues on with these questions just to say, just to get them to think. And remember, I told you in my word how to walk with me, how to get right. Take heed, because what I have said will come to pass. There is judgment. 
coming. And in the later chapters, He will tell them, just turn unto Me and you'll live. Just turn back to Me and you will live. I'm willing to forgive you if you just said, turn back. It's like the, the illustration at the beginning with the two family members saying, but I'm right. Whoever is right, it doesn't matter that God, well, God would be always right in this instance. But if it's a two family members bickering, the one that is wrong, give up your pride. You say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Well, we're human. Sometimes that other family member might be like, ha, I was right. And rub it in. But God's not that way. If we're willing to humble ourselves and to say, God, I'm sorry. You're right. I was wrong. God has promised to forgive us. That doesn't mean consequences won't come. But He will forgive us. But the nation of Israel stood stubborn. And as we know, eventually they remained in their idolatry. Punishment did come. They were carried away captive. The end. Love happy endings. No. They didn't take heed. They had every opportunity. God even said that I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to do anything until I tell you. Verse 7. Surely the Lord will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants, the prophets. God wasn't going to punish them without them knowing their punishment was coming. And He said, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to send My prophets. And they have been sent. I mean, Amos was one example of a voice of the Lord crying and saying, you're wrong. Get right. Punishment is coming. And time and time and time after again, the people said, we're good. No. Now you're wrong. If that's what God's saying, God's wrong. I'm good. The lion hath roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken. Who can but prophesy? God spoke and they said, no thanks. We're going to walk with God our way when in reality they were not walking with God at all. And the end result we see in Scripture recorded because they said, no God, we'll, we'll take the consequences of this way. That's what they got. And how often can we maybe meet somebody on the, the road when we're out, or the street when we're out on visitation who says, no, I don't need that. I got a special line with God. Now, me, and, me and God got a, got a deal worked out. But you can look at their life and see that it doesn't agree with this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? God's already said what He expects. So how do you and God have a deal worked out when the God of this Word 
God's Word says this and you're living this way. That would make either God a liar or you a liar. And it's sad to see that these people think I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm alright. Because I'm walking with God. And I know you Bible thumpers and you, you Christians, you Baptists believe that you've got to walk with God this way, but I'm walking with God just fine over here. And we can tell them, and we can tell them, and we should. But one day they'll find out that what God's Word said is what God meant. That God's hand of blessing and His hand of protection is here. But we're human too, just like the Israelites were, and just like the people we meet out on the street are. And it's very easy for us, even when we are walking with God, to come to a decision or come to an event, come to a point when it's time to take the next step and decide, I'm going to try this. Because you know what? Walking isn't just just simple as being from point A to point B. It's taking steps to get there. And each step is an opportunity to walk with God or to not. Now, there's, there's steps that can be taken to get back when you're not. Humbling yourself, saying I'm wrong, coming back. That's what God had told them in the later few chapters. He'd, he'd say, you can come back. You're never too far to come back to God. But it is just one step away. It makes me think back to the the men's advance in Stillwater. Some of the church here was able to attend and I was able to to spend the time with them and it was a blessing. And uh, the theme was moments. That in the moment is when it really matters to make the right decision for God. You can make a decision here at church and hear the preaching of God's Word and say, you know, that's, that's right. I need to do that right. But when the moment comes, that's when you're taking that step. So in the moment, when you've heard God's Word and God has spoken to you and said, I'm walking, I want you to walk with me. And in walking with me, you're going to come across your neighbor or your family member. And I want you to tell them about Jesus. I know you've told them in the past, and I know they haven't liked it before. I want you to witness to them again. And so as you're walking in your day, you've gotten up and in your Bible reading, God has reassured you that you need to do it again. And so you come across in your day and you come across that person. And God brings that reminder once again to your mind to say, tell them. And you say, next time? And the next day comes around and you say, how about next time? They'll probably just say no again. When you're disagreeing with what God has already instructed you to do, 
can you really say you're walking with God? You can get back to that point. Once again, humble yourself. Say, God, I messed up. And do it. But in the moment, can two walk together except they be agreed? Or if, if God has spoken to you and shown you through His Word, you know that attitude you have at work? That, that bad attitude you have towards your coworkers, your boss, or just work in general? You know, that's, that's not the right attitude, not the Christ-like attitude to have. And God shows you and you say, okay, God, I'm going to do it right. And then it comes time and you go to work and something happens. Somebody bumps into you. You drop everything. Whatever it is. You say, I know I'm supposed to have this right attitude but it's so hard and and you get mad or you get frustrated and you yell and you lash out. or, Or maybe you're not an outward type, but you still have that inward bad attitude just eating away at you. And the next day comes and you say, all right, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I, I just, can two walk together except they be agreed? Or you say in your heart, you look at your family and you say, I want to raise a godly child. But there's this new movie that came out on DVD and we can watch it on Thursday night instead of church. Or, uh, you know, Pastor, I, I'd love to be there Sunday night, but, you know, this came up. And uh, it's really important that my kid learns this skill or learns to play this sport. Whatever it is, we have those choices put before us and we if we're here and if you're here tonight you're 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 probably prone to hearing the word of god you're used to it no it's it's easy for us to say i'm here physically i'm right here i'm hearing the preaching of god's word i walk with god it's easy for us to say that on sunday but then one monday rolls around tuesday Wednesday, and we've maybe not been in God's Word like we should, or even if we have, it's still our decision to say, God, I agree with Your Word. You've said it, and I'm going to agree with You, and I'm going to do it. And it comes to a decision, and you say, God, I know what Your Word says, And it's really hard. But I know you're with me here. So I'm going to do it anyways. God wants us to walk with Him. And it's easy. We steal that terminology with our time in the Bible and and time in prayer. Well, I I met with God this morning. I walked with Him. I had to have a walk with God for a lot of people, it just means, yeah, I checked off my time in the Bible reading calendar and, and I'm good to go. It's not some magical thing that just happens when you read the God's Word and poof, you're changed. It's doing God's Word. And so God says He wants to walk with us. He wants us to walk with Him. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Is your time in God's Word or when you come to church, is it merely just checking off on a checklist to say, yep, done that, 
that and done that. Now I'm spiritual. Now I walk with God. Or is it actually walking, doing what God has said? Two, you and God, two, can walk together if they be agreed. Change it around. It's a statement. That's a rhetorical question can be made into a statement. Two can walk together if they're agreed. God has already said, this is the way I'm going. And this is where my blessing is. So you can walk with God by finding out how you can be agreed with God, in agreement with Him. God's given us the GPS. You ever done that? get in the car, you start driving, the GPS says, go this way. And you say, mm, this looks like a shortcut. I've never known that to go well. God has given us the path to walk with Him. Friend, it won't go well if you say, I think I can walk with God this way instead and leave this behind. I know it's said many times, but we ought to be in this. God's given us the way to walk. There are consequences for not, but there are so many more blessings, so much more fellowship. I love the times when we can go on just a leisurely walk, my family and I, and just the time of enjoying it and talking watching Felix get excited at the people walking by or a little bird that flew in front of his face. He sits up, just watches. It's enjoying. It's, it's awesome. A walk with God is so much better than even that. It's two can walk together if they're agreed. And God has given us everything we need to know how to be in agreement with Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You.